0: Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got Ward, a Doof Media podcast series where we expertly dissect and discuss Ward, Wild return to the world of parahumans. My name is Matt Freeman, and sometimes I just like to get eaten by a ribbon lady so I don't have to exist anymore.
1: And my name is Scott Daly, and I like bird-shaped things. This is the weekly podcast where Matt and I eagerly dive into Buzz world of shockingly reasonable police officers, grossly literal DNA transfers, and alien-based death powers as we analyze and interpret this ongoing web serial. This week, we're covering the next two chapters of Arc 10 Polarize, chapters 10.5 and 10.6. Breakthrough deals with the cops as they tr- struggle to find out what's going on with the undersiders, and the trail leads them to Faultline's crew who are sheltering the wounded and super jerky Tattletail. Tattle promises to dish info on the area villains and gives Rain the secret to absorbing his cluster's power. It's gross. Then Sveta nears her inevitable breakdown after being disrespected by some fellow Case 53s. Matt, what did you think about these two chapters?
0: These are great. There's some fun stuff in here. We got some Undersiders. We got a big dose of Tattletail. We got some Palanquin... Uh, a.k.a. Faultline's crew mercenary um, uh, time and and of course as usual move the the character arcs forward for a lot of our characters I think we'll we'll actually be able to touch on multiple members of Breakthrough today and and where they are in their kind of development or where we think they are anyway and uh, it's it's a exciting it's gonna be exciting discussion
1: yeah I completely agree one thing that I, I've really enjoyed in this arc so far Is this, this definitely is the Sveta arc, or at least it's part of what is going to be uh, the, it might extend beyond this arc. I don't want to assume that, but the, we're we're focusing on her a lot, but we're not just focusing on her. And I think that's what's one cool thing. The story does is is when we, when we zoom in on some characters, it doesn't mean we forget about the rest of the characters. I mean, we leave them behind. It doesn't mean they're not growing and changing as well. Um, it's just we're, we're f- focusing on one. And, and I love that the, these two chapters kind of continue that that forward that, that, yes, a lot of time is spent here on Sveta, but we've also got stuff going on with rain. We've got stuff going on kind of in the background with Tristan and Byron and stuff going on in the background with Kenzie. And and of course, Victoria is at the center of all of this as the protagonist. But um, I, I just love that that it, these zoom ins don't mean that the other characters are just static or or gone um, it, it makes me happy it, we don't we don't just get to talk about Sveta today
0: yeah in fact I think um, you you have a lot of very interesting thoughts today about Tattletale, and I think there's a yeah. good case to be made that there's a background Tattletale arc you know in this story it's it's she's not static right she's undergoing yeah. her own kind of character change over time over the over the handful of times we've seen her throughout the story so far
1: yeah absolutely um, there's there's definitely a lot to say about her and and <laughs> I don't think she's doing too great. (laughs) Nope,
0: nope. All right, let's get into some announcements, Scott.
1: All right, we got quite a few of them today, so let's go through these pretty quick.
0: So first, uh, voting for the Halloween contest is over, the Halloween costume contest, and we have winners. The winner of the contest is Panacea by Ellen S. So congratulations.
1: Congratulations, Ellen. Um, That was a great—I mean, like, let's— all the costumes were wonderful. We're so glad we got, I think, 12 entries, 11 entries, something like that. Um, you guys knocked it out of the park, all yeah. of you, every single one of you. Um, but yeah, Ellen's panacea was just fantastic. And I'm glad that everyone in our uh, in our Discord and our, our Patreon agreed with that and voted for that. Um,
0: yeah. And the runner-up is Regent by Honesty Zond.
1: Which was another great one. It was a great Regent.
0: Yeah. It really was. Those Those were extremely detailed. Everyone's was great. I was really impressed. I was also kind of like um I don't know. It was interesting that that w- what costumes people chose to to um dress up as and which ones they didn't. Like there were no skitters. I thought you thought that was interesting. Yeah. But um, that might
1: be a little harder, but
0: Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's true. Yeah. Not a not a judgment, just an observation. Um really really awesome. I'm I'm I think I'm going to want to keep doing this every year. Um, I think it
1: sounds like a great idea.
0: Yeah, it was awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, so the winner, the runner up and all of the entries will be um, on display over at our webpage. We'll put a link in the show notes, which is my way of making sure that I put that up before the show comes out. <laughs> um, so you can check that out in the show notes. You can see everyone's entries and be amazed by how good they were and uh for for our two winners we will be reaching out to you via email hopefully within the next few days on how to uh how to get you your winnings so congratulations guys i love it love it all right matt next up since we're done with one contest it's it's high time we started with another (laughs) all right um we're ending we're entering the last part of the year so it's time for our quarterly fan art contest that we do once a quarter um this one is coming in in right at the end of the year and right around the holiday season. So I thought we would have a little bit f- of fun with this one. And we're calling this one fan art contest number five. We're calling this one Happy Holidays from Earth Gimel. So the idea is um, create an an image. It, basically, the idea is to create a Christmas card or a holiday card, uh, depending on if you celebrate that holiday. Um, and that be your submission and you don't have to like actually create a card. Like it doesn't have to have an inside. It it can, if you want, if you want to create a full fledged card with the front and an inside and a back and all that, go for it. But if you just want to do like an image that's on the front of the card, that's fine, too. Um, just something holiday themed from any of the characters, anyone you want, any characters that just make it make it holidays themed. Um, that's all. I, I I think this is fun. I hope I hope everyone thinks this is fun because I came up with this idea and I was like, I love this. I want to see I want to see warm holiday cards. So, yeah,
0: I mean, th- these are some real creative folks that we got here, so I'm sure I think that yeah. they'll have some amazing entries.
1: Yep. So um, we are going to put the official rules and everything up for that contest on the website. That will be in the show notes as well. We're going to make these due um, by I originally said the 14th. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to make them due by the 17th, Monday, December 17th at midnight. Um, That gives us a week to have them to have the poll running. Um, And therefore, we can announce the winner right before Christmas on Christmas Eve. We can announce the winners of the contest and share all the all the holiday cards um, right around Christmas time. So I think that'll be great. So Monday, December 17th at midnight central time, we'll say midnight, midnight Pacific time. OK, uh, midnight Pacific time on December 17th is when that contest is due. You will be able to find all the details on how to enter and the rules and the winnings and all that stuff over at our website, doofmedia.com and in the show notes where there will be a link to that. So get creating, guys. I really I I, I, I love these contests so much. I love that we get to do them. I love thanks to our, our generous patrons who donate money to us each month. that allows us to fund and host these contests. It's really great.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's always just so inspiring to see all the things people create. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so final uh, announcement. Um, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and, <laughs> and commit to having the next Weaver Dice episode out by the end of the month, which which it, which isn't even a very um, stringent requirement. It's just I, I could give all kinds of excuses here about why it's not done yet, <laughs> um, but no one wants to hear that. What yeah. you want to hear is it's going to be out soon. So I'm telling you, it'll be out by the end of the month.
1: It's yeah. There you um, go. It's, it's we entirely realized, my
0: fault that it's not out yet.
1: We we realized that we gave an update for that um on our our patron only Q and A, but we never gave a wide like a, a everyone listener update. So we figured we might as well go ahead and do that. And we noticed we had some a couple people asking every week because um, it has been a while. We're sorry about that. We're really working hard to get back into a regular schedule with that. It's just. It always, always, always takes way longer than we think it's going to. I mean, it takes a long time for Matt to plan and write the adventure. It takes a long time for us to find a date that all four of us can get together to record it. And then it takes the most amount of time ever to go through and edit it minute by minute to make sure that it's never drags. It's always entertaining <laughs> yeah. and, and you guys enjoy it. So um, we're really going to try really hard to get uh, under a normal schedule with that. But and we apologize, but it is coming. So get yeah. excited.
0: Yes. All right, Scott, let's move on into the community spotlight section where we read what people wrote from last week's thread. And if you'll recall, the discussion was, uh, what are some reasonable limits that could be placed on Kenzie's surveillance? What are some common sense boundaries for reasonable use of a power that allows almost limitless surveillance? And uh, I, I thought these answers were, were great. There, was kind of, there were some very insightful threads that ran through a lot of these uh, responses. yeah. And and so we'll, we'll, we'll hit those as we move through everyone's answers. Um, but off the top, uh, Sarah Penguin outlines three types of boundaries, legal boundaries, child-focused boundaries, and Kenzie-specific boundaries. So the legal boundaries would specify when it is and isn't okay to snoop, uh, when it's necessary to ask permission before snooping. The child-focused limits are those that only need to be in place until Kenzie's older, like they, they're there are things that it's just like, well, a kid shouldn't be doing this, but maybe a grown-up cape should. And then the Kenzie-specific limits address Kenzie's issues. For example, no tinkering until some like well-specified definition of self-care has been completed, um, no recording people she knows personally, and limiting the number of projects that she works on at once.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like the the, the divide between those three different areas. Um because there, there's, I mean, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot here. Like, there's a lot of stuff you need to wrangle in order to wrangle a, a person like Kenzie, let alone Kenzie herself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I like how there's kind of a, there are different schools of thought in these answers. So I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah, well, let's, let's get through them.
1: Yeah, for example, next up is Roundest Frog, who suggests that the litmus test for what Kenzie Tech should be allowed should be asking whether the general public would be upset if they found out about it. Um I I love this a lot because I think this kind of almost ties back to the Victoria mantra, right? Like the idea of reaching out. It's like I can't decide. um, I'm having trouble deciding what's right or what's wrong. Let's let's go. Let's let's pull the audience and let's say, how do you people feel if you learned that someone was doing this to you? And if you're really upset about it, maybe we shouldn't let the person do that thing. Yeah, I think,
0: I mean, it's potentially a very, very useful heuristic. Like if she could internalize it, she'd be in a great spot. But right. that's that's the hard part. Like there's a, po- there's a point in this chapter where sh- she tells a cop like, no, don't worry about it. I already got the license plate number. It's like, OK, Kenzie, you just the, the only thing you said to the cop <laughs> was a thing that suggests that you've hacked the cop's license plate database or something analogous to that. So like just right, please. Yeah, right. Be more conscious of these things. Stelhex advocates that the requirement be either legal permission or immediate probable cause. So in other words, something like what actual police have to do, you have to either um, get like an actual legal warrant or you have to have immediate, uh, you know, violence related reason to immediately do it. You can't do this like constant passive surveillance of everything.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's very fair. I just think that's also uh, unenforceable, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah,
0: Yeah, we're going to get to that that segues nicely into the next one, actually.
1: Yeah. So next, stuck in Reddit factory says you can't limit Kenzie. Her surveillance slash counter surveillance methodology means her whole jam is avoiding being caught doing things. The powers enable the cape to more effectively do exactly what they shouldn't, and often in a way that is hard to prevent. So that's a very good point. Um, that 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 the, the her whole thing is that you can't find out what she's doing. So so it, it's it's almost a futile ex- exercise to try to.
0: B- basically. And other people take this tack is that like the only way to to get to get limits on her is to is to have limits. She'll agree to. Right. If you if you put the limits to be too restrictive from her point of view, even if they're reasonable from like a legal point of view, then she'll just lie, which we know she she does. So,
1: yeah. And is it? I mean, that's something that I think is true across Cape Manatee. (laughs) Right. Mm-hmm. That um, in order to really affect the, the most effective way of limiting what a cape can do is um, through their own personal decision making. Right. Because like even even when um, capes like w- when infrastructure was there to stop capes from doing things th- they still did bad stuff. So like there was still very little control over, over these people are so powerful that there's so that, that there's so little like um, innate control by society on these people that they're really, the only way to do so is, is self-imposed control
0: and, and sort sort of in contrast, sort of in line with what you're saying, you had instances where like the wards were just constantly frustrated by the restrictions placed on them. Right. Right. And, like you you can see a lot of people that just wouldn't work for them like period. They, they, they couldn't, they couldn't hack it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so data Sneak says that there are three main things that need to be restricted. I like, I like when people create these kind of, um, structures. Yeah. Uh, number one, Kenzie's workload, uh, number two, who the team is looking into and number three, what they're looking for. So the team needs to be more cognizant of Kenzie's workload and not, tell and, and not trust her to tell the truth about it so like they they need to pay attention to yeah what what they've told her to do and then like double check that like what she's actually working on because she'll just lie and say oh no I, i'm doing fine um the team needs to stop putting surveillance on their allies or people they might be working with and finally the team needs to be more careful of crossing lines like perhaps accidentally uncovering a secret identity so Um, Yeah, I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, that last one is something that I kind of thought was going to happen and it hasn't yet. Maybe we're saving it, but I kind of figured like that would happen and our team would get in trouble because of that. You know, it just seems like something that could very, very easily happen um, through no specific fault of Kenzie, but just her general passive surveillance that she's accidentally unmasked someone she didn't mean to and, and the fallout from that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I I feel like when they were trying to figure out who was um going, like they were tracking down the the bombers, although they didn't know that at the time, right? Um, and like they were basically trying to identify someone, you know, by their by their face. So basically, yeah. they they were actively trying to figure out someone's secret identity, which is pretty pretty edge edgy for for heroes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I like I like the first one too. The idea of you know not believing her when she tells you like. There's there's an audit adage that's trust but verify. So like believe her, but I'm gonna need some, some supporting documentation for that. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's really what they need to do. Like, yes, we 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 believe you, but we kinda don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the irony of the trust but verify statement, is it's it's a lie. Because right. <laughs> like if I really trusted, then I wouldn't need to verify. But yeah, um I think I think they need to do that in Kenzie's case. Not because I mean, not because she's like outright lying. She's just very uh, distorting and and minimizing of the, the truth. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have EXE JPEG WAVE Windows Media File. No, it's not WAVE. It's a Windows Media File um, yeah. who says no spying on people in their homes, no sexual stuff, and avoid involving Kenzie in situations that might remind her of her past traumas. I think those are some some pretty good ground rules, um, just like in general, like just across the board. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I like that that, that their final one here is kind of very specific to, you know, it's not just limiting Kenzie for what can what she can do that could hurt other people. It's limiting Kenzie for what she could do that uh, would be damaging to herself as well.
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, that one's interesting because you can just imagine that she's see she probably sees a lot of pretty fucked up things just like. You know when she's spying on Hollow Point, for example. So, um, yeah, it's it's. I don't know to what degree you can. I don't know to what degree you can select for that stuff, right? Like like she's gonna see that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: no, I completely agree.
0: Uh, Ruben three hundred seven suggests along the same lines as stuck in Reddit factory. You can't limit her because the alien attached to her brain will not permit the power to simply not be used. So instead, let her do all the spying she wants, but instead place rules on how she's allowed to use the information she gathers. Uh, And and they make an interesting comparison to the clairvoyant who sort of can't be stopped from from seeing everything. Um, So if you were going to put limits on, for example, the clairvoyant, it would literally have to be on like, well, what what are you allowed to do with this information?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really good point.
0: I I don't know if I you know would say would just say like give up, which is c- kind of what this is is suggesting. Like, I think there's some middle ground between using her power c- completely cavalierly and and not using it at all. But yeah, it's certainly certainly a good point that like if if you put a box around Kenzie, she's going to find a way out of it.
1: Yeah, that's true. So I mean, you you I guess the, the idea here would be that you um create the rules that can be enforced. Yeah. You, you, you focus on the enforceable instead of the unenforceable. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. All right. Then we have Tasarwat, who says, uh, along very similar lines to Sarah penguins ideas. They suggest that there should be Kenzie specific limits, like forbidding surveillance of team members and having to run any major projects by the team leaders before starting on them. Although I, I can't help, but think it's not so easy to tell a shard. no, is is very true uh, common sense limits would include keeping a record of what surveillance ops breakthrough is running as well as who authorized it then a list of legal stri- legal restrictions that seem to be the kind of thing that would help ensure that data gathered by kenzie's tech could be used in court that's i mean that that's a good point too like assuming that there is some kind of actual legal structure here w- you like Surveillance like there's rules in our society around what surveillance items can be used to uh, to as evidence of guilt in court. So if, if we're using Kenzie's surveillance or any kind of surveillance tinker in a way that um, is going to help convict or convince people of guilt, then it should follow the same kind of rules and laws like I forget who said it earlier, but there should be, um, you know, Rules around when you're allowed to do that and, and control over that and, and permission you need to get before doing so.
0: Yeah, I'm reminded of the fact that she was raring to submit falsified video evidence to Ashley's trial, which is just a terrible, terrible thing for someone in her position to do. Because, like, once if you're caught as someone with Kenzie's power, if you're caught doing that, then you're basically like screwed for life in terms of being a cape because the legal system will now never trust your evidence again. Like anytime your team wants to do something based on a Kinsey recording, they're going to be like, well, how do we know that that really happened and that you just didn't want to go get them. So you falsified it, you know? Um, so the fact that she's willing to do that, like, it's not like people can't, can't like fake video nowadays. It's just that they know if they got caught doing it, they would literally go to prison. Um, right. So yeah, real, Bad line to cross there, Kenzie. Um, For sure. Yeah. So next from Bit beard of valor, basically again, pointing out that Kenzie's power is by default much worse than what the NSA does now. And we're already like raising hell about what the NSA does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so it might help to give Kenzie specific, like kind of narrow in scope missions, make sure that her spying is organized around those targets Rather than any kind of like dragnet approach where she's, you know, just surveilling a whole city like Hollow Point.
1: Yeah, there, there's there's a theme that's emerging from <laughs> from these things, Matt. And that theme is making Kenzie the linchpin of your entire team organization idea is not a good way to limit her <laughs> surveillance.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I think it's safe to say that the team is going in the opposite direction from a lot of these suggestions.
1: yeah. Yeah, I think so. Next up, we have Bam 3211, who says that the team should hire someone specifically to check her work. So kind of like a um, a a bone saw Amy situation where there were people checking up to make sure the person was doing stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think like originally that was supposed to be not Kenzie specific, but Natalie was supposed to be in there making sure that uh, that they were following guidelines and uh, that didn't Didn't work out.
0: Right, right. I I think I like this idea somewhat um, because no one else on the team is really going to do it. And it would kind of make the whole team dynamic weird. But having a third party who the team has kind of empowered to that end could cut the Gordian knot of being like, look, we don't actually trust you. And we want someone to look into your work. But none of us are going to be the one who's doing it. It's going to (laughs) be this person over here. Right um which it has potential I, I would i would probably want more elaboration on how exactly that was going to look but i think that's an interesting suggestion sure finally mun's for college uh suggests that the solution to kenzie's uh, problems is uh have a functioning legal system with privacy protections built into it so that breakthrough doesn't have to make up its own rules
1: yeah i mean that that's, that's actually a really good point because it's like how do we limit how do we limit Kenzie? It was like, we'll have a, a infrastructure first because like it's like, how are they expected to know what is right and what is wrong to do in these situations where there's no kind of authority system in place to to bounce off of at all?
0: Yeah, right. I mean, if Kenzie doesn't even know if she's breaking laws, then how can she? Yeah, just just make some reasonable right. laws. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially when like their are their goal is to serve the common good. Right. And it's like we have uh, we have laws to protect people from each other, but we also have laws to protect people from the government. And, and like she is basically, she's not part of the authority system, but she's basically serving as, as it in this world, but there's no laws. There's no, absolutely no infrastructure to protect people from this kind of stuff right now. Right. So,
0: yeah. All right. That's our discussion section. Let's move on into the chapters. All right. begin chapter 10.5. And uh, the fuzz shows up at Breakthrough's truck stop investigation. Swansong is the one who notices, but Kenzie is the one who seems the most agitated by it. And she, she says, I've had serious talks with police officers nine times, and it went bad seven of those times. Lookout said her eyes fixed on the cop car.
1: That's yeah, probably because she just casually mentions that she's already got the license plate number. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, but I mean, there's something really tragic about that, isn't there, though? I mean, Kenzie's this girl who suffered from parental neglect and abuse, um, police law enforcement. And th- these people should have been a, a, a place of refuge for Kenzie. Like she, sh- like they should have been the people she could go to and make her feel safe and, and, and get her away from her problems. But that's just not the world that, she lives in and that's not that's just not what happened and and it, i think this is more evidence of the system as a whole failing kenzie um back before she triggered and then especially afterwards
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, I, the the chapter is is priming us to be aware that kenzie is a bit freaked out about this whole situation and and it actually introduces a kind of background tension to what's going on here yeah uh so victoria then makes the call to keep the data at the risk of getting shot. This is portrayed to her as a dichotomy. She chooses to keep the data. Um, Instead, at Rain's suggestion, they dim the projections.
1: Yeah, so this is one of those things that almost seems like just a a humor beat, right? Like that's just like, ah, it's funny. Data or getting shot. I chose data. Uh Um, But like when you think about it, this is pretty fucked up. <laughs> like we just we just we just established that Kenzie is like terrified. Right. The cops are here. She's had really bad experiences with the cops. She's very nervous about this whole thing. Um, tensions are already high. And let's choose the thing that increases the tension. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Let's let's keep the weird cape shit all over the place. Right. While we're trying to talk them down and convince them that everything's fine.
1: Yeah. And, and as you noted here, it, it's rain that, that comes up with a compromise. Like, like Victoria builds this dichotomy that it's, it's one or the other. And those are the only two options we have. And then Rain's like, well, can't we just do this one thing? That's like a compromise between those two things. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah, that let's do that. Yeah. Um and, and so I think this is kind of getting us into Victoria's mindset because we talked about this a little last week about how like um, borderline obsessive Victoria is when it comes to tattletale. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. Like what does our team, like, if we step back from this, what are they doing here right now? Like, they are investigating Tattletail. Tattletail fled Brockton Bay, or New Brockton, and, and has come to their area, and they want to know why. This is not, like, a, a world-ending, life-threatening, we-need-to-address-this-right-now situation. I'm not saying that that, that it's not... Something that could potentially be threatening and something they should keep a keep a, a handle on, but it's not like it's not like you have to prioritize th- this data over being shot. Like it's, it's. It, I just think this is another example of Victoria when it comes to Tattletale can't help but keep going, can't help but keep pressing, can't help but keep trying to figure out what's going on because there has to be something going on underneath all this.
0: Yeah, right. I can imagine some other team member being like uh vicky why are we why are we doing this right now like i like i understand that this is not unimportant but why are we doing this and not something
1: else right i mean they've they've just stood up their whole big organization right like they've just created this hero team infrastructure um it's had a couple of successes and then they've they dove headfirst into this thing um which which yeah like like you said Don't want to make it sound like this is not an important thing, but why is it the most important thing? Why is it more important than anything else? Why is this data more important than your teammate and her uncomfortableness with the situation?
0: Yeah, well, we'll we'll see how things evolve. Yeah, so Capricorn and Victoria go to talk to the cops and we meet two of the officers, the elder little John and the younger Troy. The younger one recognizes them from TV and the older one clearly has a bad impression of Capes, but Capricorn uses his social skills to convince the guy to give them a chance. Uh, possibly, we're not actually sure if uh, Capricorn succeeds on his role there.
1: I, I think he does. I think he does. And and I really, I love I love this scene. And we're gonna we have a lot to say about how this scene plays out. But just starting here at the beginning, I love the tension in which the scene plays out from the beginning. We, we have no idea who these cops are or how this is going to go. We immediately get this establishing beat of Kenzie worried. We immediately get this, this beat of Victoria choosing the data over getting shot. Therefore see, like you're primed that this is going to be an antagonistic conversation that, that, that conflict is going to escalate that there's going to be a fight here, uh, possibly a verbal one, not, not a physical one, of course. And then there's imagery imagery spread throughout the conversation that's meant to put us and Victoria on guard. Like they, they recognize her from the TV show. They recognize her from the prison. There's this really great bit here where Victoria says, we approach, we continue to approach until one older officer who had his gun drawn raised it a fraction. Not quite pointing at us, but if we approached another few steps, then it might well be. So we've already talked about the significance of guns in this universe before that guns are this this very different kind of thing um it, it, much less like cape gaming and much more, just like death like just just representative of just um total destruction yeah
0: casual death yeah.
1: right right and and so so this gun almost being raised, like about to being raised shows like this this situation is a step, a beat away from turning really serious and really deadly.
0: Yeah, I, I thought that was a, an interesting moment too because it's sometimes it's hard to it's hard to put yourself in the position of a superhero who can do all these things and is dealing with all these powers. Um, it's not that hard to imagine like coming face to face with a police officer in a situation where they're not too sure about you, and maybe they kind of raise their gun toward you. Um, that 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 automatic and and like that kind of shows you like oh Victoria's not as frightened as maybe she should be perhaps like, I mean, she can be invulnerable on a moment's notice, but yeah, st- still, still still. Don't.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Like if you're trying to, I mean, if you're trying to win minds and convince people of your way of thinking, like maybe you should be a little more cautious here. And like, here's the thing. Everything kind of works out here. Like, and, and yeah. it was very surprised. Like we, we've established that this could go South very quickly. And then, the team's kind of able to get through to them and, and keep the situation relatively calm, like and possibly even persuade Little John change Little John. And and, and I love that. Like and I, and I want to, us to really dive into how they do this, because I think I think what we see in this moment with Little John is a potential avenue out of this parahuman human conflict, because here we have this guy. He doesn't hate capes. He doesn't really like them either, though. He's just kind of indifferent to them. He, he, he calls them these far off things that he never really considered, um, that he never really thought about until uh, the events of the end of the world forced him to. So basically, I think he serves as this pretty good stand in for like the undecideds in this conflict. Like they they haven't they're, they're in the middle. They haven't really picked a side yet. And and so to appeal to him, they appeal to him as a human being. They appeal to him as a law enforcement officer. They appeal to his sense of powerlessness in a world that overpowers him. They appeal to his fear and discomfort of things that he doesn't understand. And it works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it reminds me a lot of the conversation the Victoria had with the cop at the community center uh, way at the beginning of the story where he was just kind of uncomfortable because he he didn't want to talk to crystal clear he didn't want to talk to uh, i don't even know if that team had a name but he didn't <laughs> want to talk to crystal clear because he looked weird right. like that was it he's like he, i i don't like i just it's it makes me uncomfortable i'd rather talk to to you cuz you look normal and that's kind of a very uh uh understandable Uh, Disconnect between humanity and and Parahumanity yeah and 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 here we Have another law enforcement Representative who's just like "Ah, Cape shit you know like (laughs) it it, they're not Like they they don't hate it like you said But they just don't want to have to Deal with it almost
1: yeah And, and while I do Think they're using you know Tristan's Very particular skill of influencing People to its most advantageous here I Don't think that means they're like Putting on an affect like they're I don't think they're being inherently dishonest to persuade this person they're just appealing to him um on his own level they don't belittle him they don't tell her that he just wouldn't understand cape things which is something we've heard our our characters say before th- th- that he's not capable of understanding these are things they could have done and and importantly he starts off this conversation being kind of a dick right like like he's he's dismissive and rude and like and this uh the cape stuff, and his partner is even more dickish than he is. they could have been dicks right back, like they could have been and 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 you could argue they would be justified in this, but they don't and um and and I love that about it like there's there's little beats throughout this conversation where Victoria thinks to herself it's a little more complicated than that like like she's she's kind of making her comebacks, but they're all internal to her, she's not sharing them, which is which is you know smart. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like this could have gone such a different way.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Her, her, and, her and Capricorn are a good face for the team. It's funny her her mom has brought this up before, actually. Yeah, but uh, you know, between the two of them, they're able to balance out all the other weird elements on their team and, and just be like, we're 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 the friendly, happy neighborhood hero team, and <laughs> right. there's nothing off or weird about us at all. Yep. So basically two people who are really good at pretending everything is fine in this scene (laughs) get to pretend everything is fine.
1: And it works.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Victoria brings little John up to speed on the situation, injecting her own biased color commentary, uh, biased against, of course, Tattletail. Eventually, they seem to soften him up to the point where he asks to be filled in on what happened, admitting that he should know more than he does.
1: And, And I think that's that's really important because when this conversation started, the way this conversation started was Victoria asked little John, do you want me to give you a tour and and catch you up on, on everything? And he says no, almost immediately. He says, no, thanks. Now he wants it. He wants to understand this is what change looks like. This is a person who came into this conversation with a certain set of beliefs and after the conversation decided to make a different choice. And that's important when we're talking about this conflict between these two sides you're probably not going to be able to sit down with a person like gary and convince him that no actually parahumans are just like people in that there are good ones of us and there are bad ones of us and we need to find a way to to work together to stop the bad ones and work with the good ones you're probably not going to convince a guy like that you're probably not going to change a guy like that But people like Little John, people that are just kind of confused and scared and not sure what to do and 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 don't understand. These are people you can win over. And this is how you do it.
0: Yeah, 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 I like that. Just kind of spreading the the um, the idea person to person. Yeah. So Victoria then guides him through the images in order, uh, first showing the Palanquin gang. Meeting the undersiders and then being ambushed by the Clusterfucks, which is the name that the Reddit has decided on.
1: (laughs) Was that was that I know someone in our uh, discord said that I can't remember. Yeah,
0: but I I don't know where it came from originally because now I've seen it in several places. Um, It's a good name. It's a good name. So we have uh, March. She sat in the open window of the car, leaning over the hood with a rifle in her hands. The frozen scene had captured the muzzle flash. Even from a distance, there was something in March's eye. She wore her mask, so it covered half of her face. Her left eye peering through the right eye hole of the mask. Um, something real badass about that image.
1: Yeah, she just kind of moves it to the side, and uh, and clips Tattle's tail.
0: Yeah, but no, I mean, like, I, I like the way you phrase that. That she's 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 like, oh, this I don't need the 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 parahuman thing. I'm going to set that aside for a second. I'm going to set aside the cape game. I'm going to literally move my mask aside, which is a symbol of the game, right? It's a symbol of like the, right. the rules and use this rifle, which is another thing that's that's borderline against the rules. or yep. you know. But I mean, and I just love that, that the element of the gun and the element of like skewing the mask are, are in the same image.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right that it's almost very specifically saying this is an act I am making not as a cape. This is an act I am making As a person Um, yeah I've moved my mask out of the side this isn't this is not parahuman combat
0: yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, so paging forward through the videos or the the images rather Tattletail is shot in the back of both thighs and I mean clearly this is uh, like the objective right March was aiming to surgically cripple her not kill her
1: right especially as we learn more about March's ability to uh, to have really great timing um, yeah. she doesn't seem like someone who misses that often. Right. Yeah. Um, she's basically Colin Farrell in that one Ben Affleck movie. I think it was called like kitchen devil or something, something like that. I'm sure
0: I'm supposed to get this reference, but it's daredevil, Matt. Going Jesus. Right over me. My... Yeah. See, I-, I thought you were talking about the accountant starring, yeah. That's starring, uh, the number man. Yeah, that's ex- um, that. Sure. Sure. But, uh, okay. Mo- moving on from this nightmare.
1: Ru- you ruined my jokes with your ignorance.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, that's that's normal. <laughs> um, so the younger trooper now takes the opportunity to criticize Gregor's appearance harshly um, as Gregor is in the midst of saving a bunch of children. <laughs> the smooth, smooth guy. Yeah. Uh, Sveta then gets really upset yeah, in what I'm going to call a very Sveta way where she doesn't seem obviously angry at first, but then she gets more and more heated until it shows through that she's really pissed off. Almost as if she has years of practice tamping down her emotions so that she doesn't kill everybody.
1: Yeah, it is a very Sveta way of you're, you're absolutely right. And then it kind of ends when she's just like this better stop now or I'm going to get really pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a very Sveta thing to do. Yeah. And, and 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 like we said at the beginning, we're doing a lot of reinforcing Sveta's suffering here. I think this ends up paying off fantastically in the next chapter, but it's something we've been doing from the first words of the first line of this arc. Things are, are pushing hard against Sveta. Now the, the closest the, and the closer the group gets to derailing, um, this, like she's this conflict, this part of the conflict. Sveta is the closest that the group gets to kind of ruining their entire, cooperation with the police, right? Like like this this almost blows up. This gets very close to blowing up. Like things were good, we've had this great conversation, we've got little John on our side, and then this asshole younger cop decides to do something and it almost derails this entire thing. And it's surprising to me that that would come from Sveta. Like that, that you would yeah. not think if you asked me which person on the team was going to blow the interaction with the police, I would not have said Sveta.
0: Yeah, I mean it's interesting that throughout these chapters, um, Ashley is, is a goddamn diplomatic mastermind. (laughs) Um, it, it's, it's Sveta who's kind of continually, um, in trouble.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the thing that I really like here, um, so we have this, this moment, um, where Sveta basically says, I'm getting angry. And then Victoria kind of swoops in and says, let's end it. and, Then Little John also just says, Troy, and then says, head on over to the other end near the car. See if you can't spot anything about the truck the attacker is driving or the people inside. So the important thing about this is I think it's like Victoria and Little John have kind of come to an agreement in in that they're cooperating with each other to de-escalate this conflict. I mean, like, I think it, it would not surprise me if in this situation, like, they were a jerk to the younger cop to Troy and all the other cops like had his back and were like, no, no, like shut up. And, and the conflict escalated. But like he and Victoria have come to an understanding. And so he's just like she kind of uh, turns Sveta away and gets Feta out of here and de-escalates on her side. Little John serves to do the same thing on his. And it's like we, I think this, this reinforces the the bond That's happened here. The small bond that's happened between these these two people, these two sides. Yeah,
0: I agree. I mean, by the time they walk away from each other, I agree that 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 they've won this guy over. Yeah. Uh, So we have what there's the battle between the two sides. It kind of seems like Shamrock shoots one of the attackers And then they probably swap out the injured arm with imps. Is that, is that the interpretation?
1: Yeah, that, that was my guess. I read it a few times and, and that's what I got to. Um, I'm not sure on the, like the details of how the body swapping exactly works. Like, does imp now feel like she's been shot? Like, is it, she's holding the arm and the arm is shot. Does, does that, does that pain go to her? Um, I think either way though, it kind of gets rid of the injured arm and presumably allows them to keep track of, of imp like, yeah would her power not work on that arm in particular i guess
0: yeah my assumption was that she didn't feel the pain because that's how it worked when they swapped out rain's ears and eyes it's it Was true. like the person whose eyes they actually are is the person who gets the effect but maybe they can turn that off like we don't actually know yeah so.
1: but but yeah they, this is a great way of kind of taking imp out of the equation and i don't yeah. know for how long that is right like I like we we know very little of this power swapping ability, but perhaps that's why Imp's not around throughout either of these chapters, or right. maybe
0: she is. Maybe maybe she is. Yeah, right. I I I, uh, I I meant to go back through the whole thing and kind of pay attention to where and when we see any hints of Imp, but um,
1: I I did and I didn't. Nothing jumped out at me. Okay, um, all right. So so the team now heads to go meet Palanquin, and and I really like. <laughs> This is just like a really minor beat, Matt, but like they're talking to them on the phone. Um, Tristan, I think, is is the one talking on the phone and basically explaining how they tracked them down. <laughs> and 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 Palanquin hears the phrase, we have very good cameras. And then the next thing we hear is, yeah, we're breakthrough. So it's almost <laughs> as if like they've gotten a reputation now, like they hear the phrase very good cameras and they're like, oh, shit, it's these breakthrough yeah. people. It's like they, they're getting a, a camera based reputation on the street uh, it's it's wonderful
0: <laughs> yeah i love that uh so i like that there's just this delightful piece of dialogue mm-hmm. where they say um you know kenzie says i'm gonna put this put this special camera up there it's 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 a great camera it's uh it's my last one and rain says is that just the one because it's special or because it's your last one uh, and then kenzie answers both it's both
1: I love it. Um, but it also kind of shows you, you know, that Kenzie has not like she still has a restocked, right? She hasn't had time to build up her tech yet. She everything she has is like the last thing she has. Um, and it just makes me worried. Like, are they pushing her too hard? Like like what? What happens if this camera breaks and now she's got to stay up for three days to build a new camera because they need a new camera, because it's, it's very important. It's like, yeah. It just all this stuff worries me so much.
0: Yeah, she's also got to now upkeep all their little hairpin widgets and yeah, yeah, keep, and and their little cape network thing and yeah, yeah, um, yep.
1: As a side note, um, we're gonna probably be talking about this more in the next chapter, but I just wanted to say that I think the text is doing a pretty good and pretty subtle job of of reinforcing rain here as a much more active participant in the events of this group. He's involved in the conversations. He's asking questions. He's involved in the planning. Like not to say rain was passive the entire time, certainly not the Byron level of passive, but he, um, he just seems to pipe in more. And, and, and I think this is really reflective in the next chapter for sure. Um, and, and I think almost to support this in this moment, we see rain pull on a new mask. Like he's got a new mask. He's changed. He's a new person. He's different. Um, and I think that's a really great, just reinforcing beat. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. You know, rain's been back in the picture for a little bit now and, and we're seeing him kind of step into his new role. I I, I love that. Yeah. So uh, as the team meets with Palenkin in kind of a, an open area, the formal no man's land of the meeting between the teams evaporates when Gregor gives Sveta a big hug.
1: Yeah. And this is like a, a fairly standard, like false tension, fake out that's used a lot. Like the two, like the two people standing there staring at each other and you think they're they're about to fight and then one of them breaks and and <laughs> it says, hey, and it's like, yeah. oh, tension diffused. Um, and that's not to say I didn't like it. I think I think this works here to emphasize a few things for Sveta. It kind of draws a clear distinction between how of how some of the mem- members of her case, 53 friends feel about her versus some of the others. Like, right. So like, like we are establishing that she's has a good relationship with some of these people. Um, and, and not so good relationship with some of the others. But, um, I, I really, I really love this, sentence here like no this or this paragraph rather no man's land effectively shrunk there weren't 20 feet of distance but instead it was us standing close enough that we could talk normally not so close that our two large groups became a huddle and i mean this is this is just kind of geography setting so we kind of see in our mind's eye where they're standing but it also serves to show that while the two groups are closer together while there's hugging like they're not in a huddle. They're not working together, right? They're not like like all huddled around each other planning. They're, they're still two distinct groups working on two distinct things and there's still a, a base level of tension here even though um things aren't quite as as we're going to fight immediately as they were when they were standing further apart.
0: Yeah. But it's really it's it's always really clear that fault line is completely professional and has control over her team. So I was never afraid that a fight was just going to spontaneously break out. Um, It it was more like, uh, is this going to go anywhere for me? Yeah, I think that's fair.
1: I, I I guess I wasn't like, I wasn't worried that like one of the members of her team were just going to jump out and attack, but I was kind of worried that she would order an attack. Like that, Uh that that they would just say, no, you're not supposed to be here. Leave now or we're going to fight you. And, And our team refuses to, and that it escalates. But it um, doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, interestingly, Tristan swaps out Byron and leaves Byron to be searched by the K53 whippersnap. Rain is also uh, being silent for most of this scene.
1: Which I think these are significant things, right? And and, and that's one of the cool things about reading books and analyzing books is there are there, like sometimes it's tricky and sometimes you really have to dig into some tech subtext. And sometimes the author stops to very clearly point out something to you that you just know it's important. Like w- when when we have Victoria look back and see that the two of them had changed, that's the book saying, pay attention to this. Something is going on here. It's kind of sh- shaking you and and, <laughs> and reminding you to pay attention to it. But I don't think we learn what this is, right? Like I don't think we learn why Tristan would do this.
0: Yeah, right. And and I think it's it's fun because you're noticing that that Victoria is noticing it. So Victoria is primed to be paying attention to these details of, uh, like she, she, she's kind of often surprised when Tristan and Byron have swapped out and can't really figure out why yeah. she, she doesn't really have a good read on where rain is mentally right now. Yeah. So she, she's kind of checking in with them. Um, but also it serves to check us in at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting.
1: I, I really thought at first that it was going to be like, Oh, Paris is here or something. And that's why he was doing it, um, because that had to do with your uh, your, your speculation from last week.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: but Paris is not here. So, yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the honest truth is we just don't know yet. And it's just something interesting that the book wants us to keep in mind. And that's yeah. that's the same thing with rain, for that matter. Like the book stops to let Victoria point out that rain has been silent. And again, I, I don't think rain being silent would have been as big of a deal you know, back when we first met him, but the rain that we know now, the rain that we see now is silent a lot less. So it is distinct when he doesn't participate in these conversations.
0: Yeah. My, my assumption, not really a very well examined assumption was that someone or, or something was present at this meeting that they maybe didn't expect to.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think that is true for Tristan. I mean, I think rain silence is just to me showing that he's like extremely concerned about, think like th- this this is all when they're, you're dealing with march this is all circling around him and his cluster again and it's something that is very anxiety inducing for him so I,
0: yeah another thing to point out at this point is that there are consistently like background and side conversations happening amongst breakthrough victoria's only like one quarter paying attention to where she'll just like she'll be like i heard my name said
1: <laughs> but, that but, is true uh,
0: so so like For all we know, there's like a a running conversation happening between some of these characters in the background that we're just not like paying attention to, which um, is not something that happens very much in the story. But I mean, she's got her mind on other things right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wonder I wonder if that's how that's going to pay off or if it's going to pay off in any kind of interesting way. I mean, I wonder if we're talking about leadership in a way like this team has has no like formal leader, right? Like it's it's kind of hopped around and um, she's kind of taking control at this point. Um, But there's still a lot of like like private communications and conversations going on that she's not party to. And I wonder I don't know. I'm just speculating at this point. But
0: yeah, yeah. Something to pay attention to for sure. Yeah.
1: There's also this this beat near the very end of this conversation where Byron actually popped pipes up he actually speaks here and Byron says we'll follow your rules help keep you to your time limit but it it points out here Byron's voice was soft and I think the emphasis on his voice being soft is just reinforcing that he has this like pretty bass level of discomfort with all this stuff like he is a much more socially awkward person he is much less comfortable in this situation so he feels like he has to participate he feels like he has to to pipe up and 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 contribute but but it's not easy for him and to me that's like emphasizing again tristan switched out like this this tristan is the, the king at this kind of stuff so emphasizing that he must be very uncomfortable like something something must be going on that that is that he really, really doesn't want to deal with to to kind of have Byron take over in this case.
0: Yeah, you know, the way you phrased that has prompted me to generate a spontaneous uh, interpretation slash speculation as to what's going on, which is that possibly the other team members talked amongst themselves and were like, Victoria's really got to be in her bonnet about this Tattletail thing. Um, maybe we need to, like, keep a hand like, like rain, rain her in seems like too strong of a word, but like moderate her approach here. So Byron, you're actually, you actually have a closer relationship with Victoria than Tristan does. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Um, They did kind of go through the whole um, um, uh, master stranger protocols thing together and establish a lot of trust there. Byron, you're, you're going to help soften Victoria's approach here so here Byron's injecting his like soft like we'll we'll follow your rules you know we're we're gonna team team Victoria we're gonna do what they say okay
1: (laughs) I like that I like that because I think we see I think that reflects some of uh, breakthroughs kind of um, not attacks on Victoria but but like confrontation of Victoria like both Byron and rain kind of confront Victoria about her interpretations of what Tattletale's doing and who Tattletale is. Um, both of them do this throughout the next chapter. And I, I think that read that you just said kind of supports that idea. And, and it might not be something that's as like premeditated as all that. It's just like kind of a spur of the moment realization as they kind of saw Victoria go down this spiral of, of Tattletail evil must figure out what she's doing. It's got to be bad. Can't not be bad type of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it. I, I like, I like it. The more I think about it, but we'll, we'll just, we'll move forward. We'll see what happens with that. Sure, sure. So, Whippersnap, I'm just gonna talk about him for a second. He is a biological speedster. He's a K63. His whole body is ultra thin and corded in like really fast muscle. Uh, it's a really interesting concept for a K63. Yeah, I like,
1: I like that we have different kind of speedsters, right? I, that was something we thought was really cool back in Worm, and we've kind of continued that here, like. Go fast is kind of broad. So, of course, there's going to be multiple ways where go fast can be generated. And here's a different one.
0: Yeah. Very, very often a highly broken power in other in other fiction, which is why Wildbo thinks of very clever ways to make it less broken.
1: Yeah. Flash, you're broken. Why? Every time the Flash says the phrase, I let them get away. I just want to die. (laughs) No, you didn't. There's no way you would.
0: I mean, he has to let them get away. Otherwise, he would catch them because he's the Flash.
1: (laughs) True. I think in this scene, though, we see Whippersnaps' first interaction with Sveta. And he's he's not quite so warm to her as Gregor and Shamrock were. Right. He calls Sveta a traitor. He says she betrayed their team, um, which is kind of ironic because I think Sveta would say the same thing about him. Um, This is the start of of the really important Sveta behavior, I think, throughout this stuff. This this is the start of it. Uh, she. She wants to reconcile. She approaches this. This guy's being a jerk to her. He calls her a traitor and she wants to put the bad stuff behind us. She says she wants to reconcile. She wants these people to like her. And that is a beat that's established here and pays off beautifully at the end of the next chapter that like she feels a common bond with these case 53 people and she does wants them she wants to be part of them she wants to be part of that group and it hurts her a lot that 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 part of them are rejecting her
0: yeah i mean i'm i'm feeling a lot of glowworm callbacks because her whole deal in glowworm was that she was getting an online online harassment from all these guys and ultimately was was just like at first she wanted to change her handle so that they couldn't keep harassing her, and then eventually she was just like, "Never mind, just I'm I'm just not going to use the internet anymore." Which, if you draw the metaphorical implications of that, it's quite grim.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I, and I think we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but it's when when I read Glowworm, I assumed that the harassment was like like that hurt her. her frustration with the harassment was the type of frustration that I think anyone would have with just when they're being harassed it's like this is it's bothering me it doesn't make me feel good it, it it devalues me as a person but i don't i don't think for her it's just that these people are being mean to her it's it's that she she feels excluded from the only group she feels like she can belong to
0: yeah yeah absolutely i mean she's got she's got weld right but like that's it right so yep. yeah yeah and, and I guess they see him as a traitor too.
1: So. They do. They do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the team's head inside into kind of a underground, I don't know if I'd call it a fortress, but a safer area to get out of, out of the open and to discuss March and her power of operation scale planning and timing and how she's kind of more of a, a thinker um, than for example, foil.
1: Yeah. It's pretty cool stuff. Also, she's yep. got that cool explodey sword thingy.
0: Yeah. She's uh she's pretty dangerous. So they get to this hidden location. They check in with the thinker who gives them some kind of danger rating. And then the woman who was hanging around that they don't recognize reveals herself to be Matryoshka holding the huddle tail inside her along with a few other people.
1: Yeah. And it's just like totally normal. We just store people <laughs> inside people. Um, yep. I think I remember in Worm, couldn't didn't this, this woman say that she could eventually just like absorb them? Like, eat them if she wanted yeah, to.
0: Right. I mean, it's one of those interesting powers where it's got, like, two sides to it where she can store uh, opponents to keep them from fighting or she can store friends to hide them. But if she keeps people in for too long, then she kind of digests them and incorporates their aspects into herself, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, kind of uh, risky, perhaps.
1: Right. And I think I think we're painting – we're starting to lay the tracks of Tattletail's uh, – Quiet desperation here, right? Like that she's willing to to put herself in this place. The thing I love about the scene is like a bunch of other people are there now, too. Right. But we don't really ever get like descriptions of any of them. Like we see Tattletale; She's the fourth one down. But are there other people like who are those people?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the the role of them is to like keep paddle sail safer or something. Right, I, right. I feel like I feel like we might have enough information to understand Troiska's power somewhat well. But that was a long time ago. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah,
1: Sorry. A- and a- and as as we get as we get into this conversation, I just want I just want to establish from the top how antagonistic this thing is from. The first words, because the yeah. first thing Tattletail says is got to stick your nose in it, huh, Vicky? And her response is trying to stay on top of things. What did you do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, but but then Byron responds. That's a pretty aggressive way of looking at it, Vicky. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh,
1: uh, So we're going to we're going to spend a lot of time on Tattletail's antagonism a bit um, in, especially in the next chapter. But I I love that the tone is set here from the word go. We're defining both of these people's core issues with each other from the start. Tattletail sees Victoria as this person always, always, always sticking her nose into things and places she shouldn't. Victoria sees Tattletail as always a person doing bad things. And and that is their main conflict with each other. And then we have Byron here. And I, I, I pointed this out in my live tweet, and I just love it to death. I love that Byron pattern matches Tattletale here and calls her Vicky. I don't know if I've ever seen Byron call her Vicky before, and I, I didn't research this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say I don't think he has. And I just love that in this moment he like Tattletale said Vicky, so I'm going to say Vicky. It kind of reinforces that he's not really on her side here. Um, not that he's saying Tattletail is perfect and I should be on Tattletail's side, but I just I I love that 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 little tiny detail so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think this reinforces the the Matt theory that um he's trying to, to moderate her, but he right. accidentally gets on the other side from her, which is probably not the best way to go about that. Um I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, I mean basically she, by default, Victoria takes the lead in the conversation, but the team is immediately like, OK, cal- calm down. Right. Like, right. like the, that's not that's not productive, um, which I mean, I think it's interesting. that Tattletail still helps them despite Victoria's approach. Uh yeah. There's a lot going on with Tattletail because that's because she's
1: fucking desperate. Like she, we're we're really yeah. gonna get into that.
0: She's desperate. Um, and and she can I mean, spoilers, she kind of gives them everything they could have possibly wanted she just kind of is a bit of a pain in the ass in the process. We'll get through all that, though.
1: Yeah, she so. takes the worst deal ever for herself. and <laughs> We'll get there. Sorry.
0: Yeah. So Tuttletail dishes the info on March's group. She says March has been reaching out to individuals from clusters and offering them the secret of how to drain their cluster mates if they help her out.
1: Yeah, and one of those people she's recruited is Paris. Uh-huh. But wait, if if she's recruiting Paris, that would mean that Paris is indeed part of a cluster, but not her cluster, which would mean, Matt, were you wrong?
0: Just gonna go ahead and draw a line through the one <laughs> Matt speculation. My um, little zero. We did zero percent right next to it. There. So,
1: so we, for those of you that don't know, we record this this podcast live now, and we have um, a, a, a group of our patrons always in our YouTube chat while we're recording it. And uh and sometimes Wildbo stops by and listens too. And so we had last week's episode we had this big moment we were like, Matt, you did it, you were right. And Wild Bo just jumps into chat in the middle of the He's conversation like, and says. He, he no, wasn't. He, he wasn't. <laughs> and of course, like we don't want um, we don't want to bog the showdown with interaction to the chat. So we never really respond to anything people are saying in our chat while we're talking. Um, but I went ballistic. I had to mute the microphone because I was laughing so hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, it was, was great. It, yeah. So if you want to appreciate our acting abilities. I was saying, "God damn it" to myself <laughs> while pretending that everything was fine. Um, anyway,
1: but yeah, we do we do learn here that March was a member of a cluster of three. So you were right about that part, Matt. You were right.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, good. That p- partial credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Just not who it was. Um, no. But she's already drained the third person of their power, right? And and a pursuit. Like I guess that's the the sword blowy uppy part. That power that she drained, I guess.
0: Uh, see, I I actually kind of assumed that that it happened between the last time we saw her and and now. Oh, really? Interesting. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I assumed like, oh, she's she's way stronger now than than because that makes her that just seems scarier to me. You know, seems yeah. scarier to me. That, like she was already powerful. Now she's even more powerfuler. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's
1: true because I think the text specifically says that. Um seeing goddess and fighting goddess and and goddess of defeat um like gave her the last link in her chain of understanding how this whole thing works so yeah
0: cuz cool. if i recall the the powers are are um like timing and then like angles and spatial relationships right and then the magic physics thing and um uh, i i think that the timing and the spatial relationships were always portrayed as being two different things um, so, so like super aim and super timing seems, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We, we don't, we don't know enough yet, but I, I'm pretty sure that that was the case.
1: Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. I, cool. I, I like that. Cause yeah, it makes it, it makes her even more threatening because she was threatening enough the first time we met her and now yeah. she could possibly be even more so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the chapter ends with Tattletail explaining why March is after her. Because Tattletale figured out how to do the cluster drain, and she's going to tell the enemies of March's recruits if March doesn't back off of Foil.
1: Which, Matt, that's just like fucking classic Tattletale. Uh-huh. It's like the exact kind of protect my people at all costs thing that is both endearing about her and like terrible and destructive. Like it's just like it's just like I'm gonna like I have to protect my people. I don't care what happens to everyone else because releasing this information into the world is inherently destructive on its own. Um, March doing it is bad. Tattletail doing it to counter March doing it is still bad.
0: Yeah. I think the fact that Tattletail was on Taylor's team always kind of, um, Taylor overshadowed Tattletail as an, um, 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 oh my God, I'm blanking on the word. Um, What's the word for someone who always does the worst possible thing? Taylor. God,
1: I I, I, d- I don't this. know which word you're thinking. I'm sorry. I I wish I could help you here.
0: This this never happens. <laughs> um, escalator, a person who escalates. Wait,
1: that's the word you were looking for. That's the
0: word. Yeah, but I couldn't find like the descriptive form of it in my brain. Okay. Tattletale always goes all in on everything. Right. But this is this is not noticed because Taylor also does that. So the, as you said. Tattletail is is creating a situation where it's like yep you're you you're either you're either gonna give in or you're gonna have to come after me right and she yeah. comes after her yeah so.
1: it's stupid damn yeah. it Tattletail
0: it's, it's, it's the all-in the all-in strategy same with the Brockton Bay portal where it's like you can't you can't kill me if I do this yeah <laughs> Yeah, and,
1: and everything is fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. All right, we move on into 10.6, and the chapter just moves right along with Tattletail and Victoria snarking at each other.
1: Yeah, so I I love this so much, and, and I want to talk about it a bit before we dive into the meat of the chapter, because we know Tattletail. We know Tattletail is the type of person that doesn't often break down when she's backed into a corner. Like you said, she just she just kind of goes all in, and she just gets a little more barbed, a little more snippy, Um, And here she's like literally had her legs cut cut out from under her. She's hiding inside a person that could digest her if she wanted to. She's she's not in a great mood. So she is throughout this entire conversation, a total fucking antagonistic jerk to everyone, to Uh everyone, everyone. And and that's because that's how stressed Tattletale expresses herself when she is stressed. Like you can imagine the pounding headache she probably has right now, and and, and whenever she gets close to being vulnerable, she lashes out in in very Tattletale type ways of just being a jerk. And, yeah. And and what yeah. I love about this, what I love about how this whole thing plays out, is Wildbow is is both kind of relying on our earlier understanding of of her as a person, like the text assumes that you know Tattletail and you know the way she processes things because because there's no all of all of what's going on with Tattletail is all subtext right it's we yeah. we don't come right out and say it because she would never come right out and say it um, so, you, so you're relying on what you know about tale, about Tattletail from the past but you have this moment here this 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 paragraph that I think Wildbo is using to kind of um, key us into the fact that we should be paying attention to um, her behavior as not just antagonistic in the normal kind of way, but in a different a change of behavior in how Tattletale normally behaves, because The whole conversation starts and then she says sanity is is overrated. And Victoria responds with, I knew she prioritized sanity or she prioritized stability. She'd gone into laborious depths about how she was working to those ends when we first met her in New Brockton. But now, because she was hurt or because she was petty, she shrugged it off and pretended it didn't matter. Tongue in cheek, joking, but still so tone deaf. So – I think Victoria is downplaying the level of stress, panic and fear that the tattletale's probably under here um, just because I don't think she fully understands her. But but what this paragraph is doing, in my mind, is is to us signifying Tattletale is contradicting herself. She's behaving differently. She's not acting right. Pay attention, reader. Pay attention to what's going on with this girl, because she's not just being normal, everyday Tattletale.
0: Right. there. There was, you know. I was thinking while you were talking about this, and, and earlier too, about the fact that like sometimes she throws in barbs to provoke a reaction, and then she uses her power to read things into the reaction. Right. So, so there's like a, a legitimate reason why she behaves this way sometimes, but also it's just like a straight up flaw in her in her character, right? Uh, like as as a human being, that she kind of just is this way, and, and especially when she's tense. Um, I mean, I'm reminded of, of like the, one of those particular meetings with Accord where she's, she's like borderline starts to fight with Accord because she's she's really stressed, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and it, it was not part of a master plan. It was just not handling her stress well. And I think that's what's happening here.
1: Yeah. And I, and I also like to support the Matt theory that we're calling it now, I guess. Um, <laughs> the the heated exchange between these two women kind of dies like it just like. Tattletale says something, and Victoria just kind of lets it hang, and it looks like the conversation is just going to die, and nothing's going to get accomplished until Rain, of all people, steps in and brings it back on track. He kind of says, "Okay, so what does this mean? What are we going to do?" While Victoria's interest in this whole thing is very Tattletale-focused, it's very what's she doing, what she's what's she up to. I, I'm worried about, about her. Rain's stake in this whole thing is super personal. Like it, this is his cluster. It's it's it has to do with him again. Um, and he wants to make sure that they succeed or that they accomplish something in here. And it's not just going to be bickering between these two women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's, um, he almost kind of takes over the conversation briefly because he's like, he's like, look, (laughs) you know, uh, I, I actually, you know, need need this answer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I need to know this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, telltale then warns them, um, That March is not to be underestimated and compares uh, March to some of the legendary pains in the ass that have been on on her team in the past.
1: Yeah. And she's being perfectly fair to Taylor here, I think.
0: Yeah, I I agree.
1: Yeah. So there's this moment um, where she's talking about uh, how much of a pain in the ass March is and 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 and. Victoria thinks to herself, gee, I wonder what it would be like to talk to something like that, Tattletale." I thought there might have been something in the look I gave because she rolled her eyes slightly. I love this because, it like, first of all, we reinforce again that Victoria can't, like, not see Tattletale as this jerk who does jerk things, but also because I think someone pointed this out to me on Twitter, but, like, she probably used her power here. <laughs> and it's like, like, it's just she saw she saw a a, a slight Facial change in Victoria and her power filled in the blank on that. Um, And I just just, that's just hilarious to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, She's not a mind reader, but sometimes it gets pretty darn close. Yeah. So then she recommends that Rain join March's side rather than getting on her bad side.
1: Yeah. The old uh, you can't beat them, join them strategy, which has never, ever gone wrong in any kind of way.
0: No. Yeah. Especially not... in, in when Tattletale's been around, right? See, and, and like I, so do you think this is an? Do you think this is a legit suggestion, or do you think this is like a judo where she's actually just trying to get Rain to say no to this and then move on to the next thing?
1: Um, I think it probably could be. I mean, like it's one of two things. It's 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 demonstrative of Tattletale's extreme like um, illogical behavior. And uh-huh. and because the the text kind of points it out, like both Kenzie and Rain, like a meteor, like that doesn't make any sense. Like that's com- uh-huh. that, that 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 would not solve any problem. That doesn't make any sense at all. Um, So it could just be reinforcing that. Or, yeah, it could be very much it's her just trying to make a play. It's kind of her reverse psychologying rain or or or, or just like a fish for information. Right. Like, yeah, you, you throw the line of of joining March out there and then you use your power to kind of extrapolate is he the type of person that's going to do that or wants to do that. And maybe she's testing him.
0: I mean that I, I I like both sides of this coin a lot. So I don't know which one I prefer, but, but it is interesting because we know she has reservations about rain, like as a person. Right. So offering like, Hey, you should join the crazy lady. And then having him say no actually tells her a little bit about his character. Yeah. Um, That might make her feel a little bit better because she does end up telling him. Yeah. Um, I like this bit where Victoria once again interjects herself and says, is this your power talking or is it just you? Both. It's always both. And anyone who tells you it's one or the other is lying to your face. Powers always tie in. Um, one reason I like this is that it's a, it's another beat of someone saying both. It's both more or less because mm-hmm. Kinsey just said both. It's both. So it's, I mean, it's not the same exact words, but I think it's an interesting kind of, um, repetition of the of the word and sentence structure um yeah i I, I noticed
1: well and i mean i I think this is you know instructive to how we approach behavior right Of, of these characters like there's there's so much conversation that goes on in this community about um is this shard fuckery is this the shard fucking with them is this the person and this is kind of the book saying uh Yes, like it's always both of these things and, and, yeah. and, and that, that, you know, it ties back to something you said not too long ago about Tattletail's power, about, you know, how she throws out antagonistic barbs because she wants to get a reaction and then and extrapolate from the reaction. But also it's just because that's the person she is. So th- that part of her personality is both. It's both shard stuff and it's just who she is. And that's just how this works for everyone. Yeah,
0: right. Her her shard maybe encourages her to do it more, but her shard wouldn't encourage her to do it more if it wasn't natural to her. Right, right. So, um, you know, I love Tattletail, but shit (laughs) like this is why she finds making friends so difficult. And uh, she's talking about what March is doing or wants to do and says, think of the most sketchy of the kiss applications of that power. I'm sure Victoria can come up with something if your imagination fails you. Um, I mean, Victoria literally thinks no wonder she was alone at a time like that at at a time she was this hurt. There were no friends at her side to make sure she was okay or to get her medication. So it's like, yeah, the the text is like showing showing her to to say a really unnecessarily overly shit like crossing the line. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like they've been snarking at each other, but nothing. They're not drawing blood. Right. This is this is something that could potentially push Victoria to a point of, of either storming away or lashing out and, and Tattletail should, should know that actually. Yeah.
1: And so, I mean, the, the person that thinks Tattletail is this genius wonders, what's she doing this on pers- uh, purpose? But I don't, I don't think so. I think this is just her um reacting and from a very stressed out place. And yeah, it's totally unnecessary. Like and the thing about, Tattletail of all people knows that line like she crosses the line, but she knows exactly where the line is So when she crosses it, you know, she did it on purpose and it's just yeah, it's awful it's awful and 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 I really go back to this idea that that I think she's just terrified. She's just stressed to her limit She's like I mean this we we haven't gotten there yet But this whole conversation ends with her saying I just want to go not exist for a while I mean that's that's the level at which she's at right here and she She displays that in very distinct ways um, that don't come off that way. Instead, they come off at pissing off Victoria, which she's really, really good at.
0: Right. And I have a hard time seeing it as like part of an elaborate chess game. Yeah, It, it might it might sort of be, but also it's unnecessary. Right.
1: And I love this Victoria's kind of reaction to this is. Things were just a little bit less turnaround and she could be here than they had been in the recent weeks. But nothing was fixed. And I I love that sentiment a lot because it's like this idea that, okay, Amy's gone. Like, I just needed space from her and I'll be okay. And it's like, no, you won't. Like, it'll it'll maybe be slightly better, but it is not recovery. It is just another coping mechanism. And Mm -hmm. um, I I just like that we've reinforced that. Yeah, I agree. So the comment about friends jumped out to me because obviously – that's not true. Tattletail has has a good amount of friends. She has her whole team and they actually like each other very much. They're family. Um, but they're not here. Right. Yeah. Like none of them are here. And that led me down to like, well, where are they? Where yeah. do they go? Where's Imp? Is Imp actually here? No, she's probably not here, actually here. But where where is Ra- Rachel? Where are Perry and Foil? Did 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 our group like s- specifically separate and and go into individual hiding to make it harder to track them all down uh, we we don't get to see but like she is alone here but that seems like a, a strategic move less than a they just don't want to be around her as victoria assumes
0: yeah no i i agree um because that was that was my thought as well like well i mean if Emp were here she would be probably mocking her but right, also taking right. care of her yeah yeah um so, yeah, we do. Yeah. I, and, and I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I don't want to assume, but yeah, it seems likely that maybe it was just a choice of like um make it a little bit harder for March by splitting up perhaps. Yeah. like that.
1: The, the one thing we didn't talk about, um, we said that, yes, it, it very much seemed like March targeted her to take, to shoot her legs and take her out. Um But we didn't talk about like why. Right. We didn't, we didn't yeah, really right. get into that at all. And I mean, like she like shooting Taltal in the legs doesn't stop her power from functioning, it just like yeah. pisses her off. <laughs> like it yeah, just I mean, annoys her.
0: I mean, after the beginning of of Worm, she basically spent like the whole story like in bunkers because there was no real need for her to ever be in combat, other than the other undersiders were like, no bullshit, you're gonna go into combat with us, right. or you're not gonna get paid. Right. Um. So they they've limited her in a specific way. They've they've put her. What they've really done is is mainly put her out of commission um um like, like put her in so much pain that, that they kind of dulled her abilities. Uh, I think that was the main objective here was, was like sort of take her out of the equation or, or severely limit her influence and then March is going to, you know, uh get another angle on them as it were.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. All right. So, Tattletail tries to convince them that it's in their own interest to help her keep her villainous plans in motion, because otherwise there will be chaos. She even gives a little wink to Ashley's experience in the Boston games. Um, Ultimately, she offers to help them out with information on criminal targets if they help her get out from under March. Of course, the team immediately points out that Tattletail will be able to uh, aim them at her rivals, um, and this works out in her favor slightly.
1: Yeah, so so how do we how do we parse this out? Um, we have Tattletail be, being like an unnecessarily antagonistic jerk, but she's kind of correct here. Her her fleeing um, New Brockton will create a power vacuum, one that someone's going to fill. You know, Victoria, for her part, is being overly untrusting, but kind of right as well. If they let Tattletail dictate their targets they're they're just operating on under her innate bias. I really like the comparison that she makes to the to policing of black neighborhoods supporting a a anti-black bias. Um and 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 I think that's what I kind of like about these two in these this chapter as a whole. Both of these women are being jerks to each other, but while they're doing it they actually like have intelligent conversation that makes good points. Like I think they both are persuasive while they're like like punching each other. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, what's funny is that they're both trying to be the heads of like an information centric uh, organization that keeps people safe. Yeah. Um, they just have very different approaches and they would they would find a lot to agree about if they could have a civil conversation. Um, so Tattletale then says that she'll give breakthrough all her data on the local villain scene to use however they like. Uh, without any restriction as long, uh, but, but she just gives a strong recommendation, not even a restriction, just a recommendation that they go after Love Lost first. Her reasoning is that March is probably going to tell Cradle uh, how to do the power drain, and Cradle is probably going to go after Love Lost because she won't be expecting it, and then Cradle will be overpowered and come after Rain.
1: Yeah, and that, again, that's a pretty sound argument Like that probably will happen that way. It, it's I, I think it's hard to not read manipulation into that though like like they're specifically playing into rain's fears like this is specifically like you have to assume that the tattletale is thinking about the added bonus of of a cluster fighting a cluster that'll attract march's attention and maybe get her off the undersiders back for a little bit right i mean you kind of have to think about that
0: yeah yeah definitely it's
1: yeah but this is the part where you start to realize that like Tattletail is is putting up stipulations for these things, but like not actually abiding by them. Right. Because she's like, I will give you all the data on one condition and that's on the condition that you you go after. Um, you go after love loss and they never say like, yeah, definitely. We're going to do that.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, she 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 her wording is actually like it's strong recommendation, not even a stipulation. So so as you say, she's basically just like conceding and conceding without actually getting any real um, commitment from them other than. Well, yeah, eventually she gets one one commitment, right, which is um, don't disappear any of us. Even this is not really enforceable. I think we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, uh, Before we get there, though. So she's she's Titledale has now launched a barb at Victoria, uh, about the 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 Amy comment. She's kind of referenced Ashley's history with the Boston Games, which which is a bit of a sore topic for her, but something that she can probably handle. Uh but as we've said, this is a very Svetta heavy chapter. Uh we've dealt with more KCC 3s than usual. We've kind of opened up with with her trauma. We've we've met some um some case 53s who don't like sveta specifically and tattletale is a very interesting thing which she may not have even been aware of but probably is which is that she calls sveta she says um i believe the order is sveta tress Garat. um and she, then she talks about cauldron immediately after this and how people like sveta specifically were used in the process of developing cauldron vials which other people then bought, which is an element of the whole cauldron, cauldron thing, which has just got to rub salt in the wound, right? Like, yeah, right. not only are you a monster, but you're a monster so that other people could buy this boutique luxury of having an awesome power.
1: Um, yeah. 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 It, it is an argument for why um, she wants – like, her whole point is she's saying, to give you the information on rain, I need something from you. And why money? It's because money is important. Look at cauldron. So, I mean, it's it's a terrible example because, like, don't don't look a cauldron for any like you probably shouldn't look a cauldron for any. Like, this is why we're doing this and this is why I'm I'm doing it for you. But, yeah, this is a targeted attack on Sveta. That's absolutely what it is. And, and I think the writing, if you zoom in on it, really supports that. Like, look at the sentence where she lists her names, like Sveta Tres Garat in that order. If the order was reversed. Then you could at least say that she, oh, she just accidentally called her by that one name, and then, and then as she was going through her names, got went from um like the more monstrous side to the more personal human side of her. But no, she yeah. does the exact opposite of that. She starts with her name, then with her new cape name, and then goes back to her old name. She's basically going back like, this is who you are. I am declaring like that. That is still who you are. I'm going to name you that and I'm going to intentionally move to that name. It's so awful.
0: Yeah, it's 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 regressing her and and denying her her growth right, and right. it's got to feel awful for her.
1: Especially when you follow that up with how she describes the test being done. She says they created things like Sveta Weld, Gregor and Whippersnap. Snap. Things, not people, uh-huh. not capes, things. The the text actually goes so far as to point out that like Gregor isn't around to hear this, like Gregor and Shamrock have have walked out of the room at this point. I don't know about Wipper Snap. I I was I I tried to figure out like get the geography of whether he's around or not but Sveta certainly is right the question here is is this just a barbed stressed panicking tattletale that's just reaching out and and smacking every single person in the room with stuff that she is g- getting from her power um who also probably has like a monster headache as on top of the two bullet wounds sitting in her legs right now or is she poking and prodding with those barbs as she does to ferret out some more information? Is she um, trying to push them in certain directions by by specifically playing against their their most open wounds? Um, and the answer is probably both. It's, it's yeah. both. It's both. Yeah. I mean, we've
0: learned that it's both. Right. That's right. the whole theme of the chapter is it's both um, or the whole theme of the arc, perhaps. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And I'll just add on that like she also manages to rub salt in rain's wounds in this conversation by, by being like you, you killed kids. Right. Uh, which is, which I, I could believe that she's testing there because she is trying to assess whether she can, she can give him this secret and the way he reacts does tell her information. Right. Um, it's like the only person she doesn't really get a dig on in is Capricorn. And even, even, even with them, she's, she kind of points out the fact that they're twins, which, isn't painful. It's just a, just a fact. Yeah. uh, Yeah.
1: um,
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how she kind of offends everyone specifically in in their own most sensitive way. Yep. So.
1: And I mean, the, the, the most charitable reaction to that is, is just feeling out how they're doing, right? Like, let let me, let me prod their, their issue and see what happens. And, and that, that gives me a gauge on, on how these guys are doing with their issues. Like <laughs> are these people that I want around me, are these people that I want working with me and helping me, or right. are they are they on the verge of a breakdown, not a breakthrough?
0: Right. Is it gonna be a is it gonna blow back on me that I ask these people for help in the first place? Right. Yeah. Interesting. So Titletale decides she'll tell precipice the secret to draining a cluster as long as the undersiders are exempt from being disappeared. And I think this is like a really risky offer to accept um from both ends actually
1: yeah i mean we talked about this last week right like when you start creating a list of people to be disappeared and then you start cutting side deals with different groups about who gets to be not on that list um that's when your whole system gets corrupt and it can come crashing around you
0: yeah, I think corrupt is a key word here because the like the under the um breakthrough is sort of they haven't really done anything yet that I would that I could like point at and say that this is a corrupt action, but mm-hmm. the fact that they're liaising with Cauldron, who they who they know to be well, with you know with Beaker, with with the with the mayor, I guess right. who they know to be basically corrupt in a specific way, like. Not, not in the sense that she's like accepting payments for things, but she's she's using her power um, for for like illegitimate means, right, or toward illegitimate ends, is p- perhaps. Yeah, better way of saying we're, it. I mean, and we're
1: rapidly approaching that line for sure.
0: Yeah, so very much skirting the the limits of of corruption, and now you've just made a deal with a villain team that you didn't get. You didn't ask anyone, like you didn't ask for for. Natalie's advice on this deal. You're just like, okay, yeah, you're exempt from, from our new um shadow legal system. Yeah, this is you're, you're ramping up uh questionable uh terms very rapidly. Yeah,
1: okay, but I'm jumping ahead a little, little bit. But did she make that deal? <laughs> like, did did she really make that deal? And I think we'll get to that.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the other side of the coin that I want to talk about. But yeah, we'll get there in just yeah. a second. Um, so we get this wonderfully conveyed bit of explication uh, of what the deal is with um, all of the breakthrough stuff that's going on. And Paddle Tale says, frankly, the idea of having teenagers being the ones to arrest, judge and condemn should scare anyone. And yes, let me interrupt you before you get started or figure out uh, if you'll say something. I know you're not making all those decisions. I know you have lawyers and you're talking to the city. I know who some of those lawyers are and the kind of people we have running the city right now. But that last line was punctuated by a serious look Sveta's way. Sveta, I saw Sveta nod slightly. So right there, she's like lining up everything we just kind of alluded to. We've got Cauldron, Citrine, Corruption. Cool, great.
1: Yeah, I, I do appreciate that the text indicates that the disappearing is not just being done completely unilaterally like that they, they have a system behind it presumably um, though I'm with Tattletale, like Cauldron the people running the city being the ones that you're going to for approval for that kind of stuff is like really cold comfort <laughs> like, yeah. like it's like they're, they're yeah I, don't worry I got Cauldron's permission to disappear people first <laughs> so that makes it okay <laughs> Yeah. Um, And once again, Tattletail knows exactly where to press. Right. Like where to squeeze. She goes hard on Sveta again here that she has to look at Sveta as she says this, because it's like, you know, these people, you know, the people you're you're that are in charge of the city that you're going to for permission to do these things.
0: Yeah. I mean, if anything, that 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 does seem like a calculated move because she's basically saying like, all right. All right. Maybe we do do something. And Victoria wants to put us away. And now I've put this little seed, I've planted this little seed with Sveta, where Sveta is going to be inclined to say, no, like, w- you know, we're not going to make this deal with Cauldron, whatever. Right, right. It's, it's a, it's a little, little little crack she's created in, in Breakthrough. Yep. Yep.
1: So before we move on, let's talk about this deal, though. Because both sides... Accept this deal, right? Like they, they, yeah. they, because the information exchange is given. Both sides accept this deal. So Tattletale tells them that she'll give them the information she needs, but she needs a specific price. And that's when she quotes Cauldron's method of of getting people to understand the worth of the power they're granting by getting them to sufficiently suffer for it, either um, monetarily or otherwise. She says that her price for this data, for this this information, the price is exclusion from the disappearing list. That's what she wants. That's that's the thing she wants to ensure that um, both help her out and ensure that Breakthrough knows the cost of the, the data that she's giving them. Here's the deal that Victoria actually gives her, though. She says, Okay, but I can't guarantee that another team won't push for it. You meet us halfway... Stay out of the kind of trouble that makes people want to disappear you. So the deal that Tattletail takes, the price that she wanted to be so high that, that, that this information exchange was sufficient, the importance of it was sufficiently communicated is basically, I can't guarantee anything. Just don't do bad things and you won't be disappeared. Right, which is nothing. It's yeah. it's nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah, You're, she's a villain. Right, she's the head of a villain organization. Right. Yeah. So, so you you wouldn't even blame Tattletale for maybe telling some fibs in in the upcoming. Right. Uh, if if that were the, I mean, because she, clearly she understands that this is indeed a pretty piss poor agreement for her to uh, accept.
1: But I, I think it's also a window into Tattletale's desperation, right? Like, yeah. she like she'll even take just slight temporary assurance that Victoria is off her back. Even if it's just in the short term, she'll take that. She wants rain after love loss. So she's willing to give up the information that she has to make sure that happens. This isn't a good deal for her at all, at all. And she takes it. And then she kind of makes it seem like it's a good deal. Like it's such a tattletale thing to like take the shitty deal, but somehow make it seem like it like you were doing it because everything was sufficient. Like it's just, it's yeah. just so clever. Um, I, I, I love it so much. I love that. Like if you, if you break down actually what was exchanged in here, it's just nothing. It's yeah. like, I won't disappear you unless you do something ma- that makes you worthy of disappearing, which is what I was already going to do anyway.
0: <laughs> right. Yep. Well, she considers that to be sufficient. So she, Explains the trick. Yeah. And uh, the trick is very worm. It's
1: so worm. <laughs> it's so worm.
0: So step one is to confuse the signal that connects the brain to the shard by staying in close proximity for days or weeks. And then step two is get lots of that person's DNA inside your body. <laughs> and Kenzie is able to immediately think of the most vulgar possible interpretation of this, uh, which fact scandalizes Lisa. Uh put a pin in that. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Uh, Lisa suggests blood transfusions uh, or skin grafts or cannibalism or whatever works. Uh, kind of puts bone saws creations in a whole new light, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Like in any other story, I feel like this power drain method is just like it's a machine. And then you turn the machine on and it's like you, both people are on a table and it's like, oh, my power. Uh-huh. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> not in this story.
0: No, it's going to involve blood. And, yeah. And, and cutting. And just-
1: References to 16th century serial killers that bathed in the blood of virgins and all that kind of great stuff. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's so warm. <laughs> yep, I love it. Uh, that's that's
0: it. She tells him. Then Tattletale seeks out Matroska, uh, so she cannot exist. And the team goes outside. And then uh, once they're outside, Rain kind of uh, stands up for Tattletale.
1: Yeah, he does. Can can we just... I I think we need to read this whole thing because it's it's pretty important. Um, So we start with Victoria. Deal with the devil, I said. As the resident experts on devils, I don't think she's a devil, Rand said. You're the resident expert on a lot of things, Tristan said. Yeah, I fucking earned it, Rand said, without any hostility in his voice, which I just read that with hostility. My bad. (laughs) And before you get annoyed with me for going easy on her, Victoria, I'm not... He didn't stop talking, despite my interruption. I'm also the resident expert on shitty human beings, and I don't think she's a great person, but she's trying in her own way. You're an expert on that, too, hmm? Swansong asked. I'm... Aren't we all? Look at him go, Matt. Look at him go. Like and keep going. He he doesn't stop when he's interrupted. Victoria tries to jump in, and he just keeps going. This is that assertive, new mass grain that we were talking about a little bit earlier. He asks questions and he defends people he thinks need needs defending. There, there's a reading on this that like he's just been totally tattletailed at this point. Like she just totally influenced him. Like I I, I don't like that as much. I, maybe it's just because I don't want that to be true. Um, no,
0: I, I just see it as he is probably the most second chance um oriented person on the team i don't know maybe not mm-hmm. the, the the point is he, he's he's basically identifying like hey victoria this is the team of, of second chances and this is the team that has to believe that people can come back from from bad things right. that they've done or right. or, or and, and kind of re uh reinvent themselves and you're not giving her a chance and it's true she she isn't yeah uh, and, and rain has ample data to know that this is this is accurate
1: yeah it falls falls under the mat theory. Falls
0: under the mat theory. You know what? I, I one one theory knocked down, but another one <laughs>
1: it's coming up
0: to replace it. <laughs> so, yeah, Victoria she can't she can't can't let Tattletail get away with anything though, because she she says she doubts uh, the detail of Tattletail's advice. She she thinks that maybe you know the idea that the power shifts from the weakened party to the stronger one. Um, is actually a lie because we know in trigger trigger events that powers uh seek out weak people and i basically don't think i agree with victoria because powers seek out people who will use them and if somebody's unconscious and has all their blood drained and the other person is raring to go kill some people then it's gonna the powers are gonna go to the second person
1: yeah yeah i think i think you're you're probably right um I find this whole thing interesting because Tattletale could be lying here. She could be, you know, leaving out important information or she could just be wrong. And, uh-huh. and we know that she has been wrong before. We know how her wrongness can happen, that she gets one kernel of bad information and, and extrapolates off that bad information. And then everything her power is telling her is wrong. Um, We don't know if this one is or not. What we do know for sure is that Victoria is just not going to trust her implicitly, no matter what she said. Like, it doesn't matter. Anything she said, she's not going to trust every bit of it, even if she trusts a little bit of it. And maybe. Maybe this is. Going to be important. Like. Maybe. She's going to serve like I feel feel like Tattletail has earned so many people's trust, right? Like so many not trust is a bad word. People know her information is usually right. So when she tells them something, they believe her. But Victoria is like one of the only people in this world that. Do not like yeah. she's almost serves as like Brian's role on the undersiders, kind of to like to like check her a little bit. She could serve uh-huh. as that, like if if Tattletail is wrong here she's the only one that's not going to believe that. So it could be that it could just be that she's being completely unfair to her and that she's just not going to believe her no matter what she says. And, and, and this whole refusal to accept it is just more uh, data around the fact that, that Victoria's view of tattletale is never going to be um, fair, but I'd like it either way. You know, like I just like they get these two characters swirling around each other. They don't, like each other, they don't trust each other, but they need each other right now, and um, they're sharing information. And we don't know whether to believe it or not. We don't know if the believing it or not is important or not. It's just, I just love the conflict. I love how complex this is.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. It, it's a wonderful little situation. That's, and, and the thing is, it's been set up gradually over the course of the story. Um, so it's not like it's just being introduced here, right? It's just we're yeah, kind of yeah. bringing things up to a, a faster pace here.
1: Yeah, and then and then we have this little moment here after Victoria gives her whole speech. Um, she asks Victoria how sure she is about this whole thing. And she says she's about 50-50 on, on whether Tattletail's right or, or lying or, or truthful here. And Sveta's response is, that's not helpful, Sveta chatted me. That's the opposite of helpful. And I think this slots into the Matt theory pretty nicely um, because they're like kind of checking her on her behavior of of uh, Victoria or Victoria's behavior towards Tattletail. but also I think we're we're showing that Sveta's not doing too good. Like she's not one to chide Victoria very often. Um, so I think she like she's in a bad place and she's upset about things, and and that's starting to kind of leak out a little bit.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, I think that gets that only gets worse right yep as, as there's not much left in the chapter um but it's basically everything that's left in the chapter could be labeled making things worse for sveta <laughs> yep yeah um, almost almost everything not not everything uh for example uh kinsey and chicken little are coming upstairs um that they kind of were off together and they're talking excitedly about how awesome shamrock is uh chicken little refers to rachel as aunt rachel And, uh, yeah, I think we can officially revisit uh, his name being Chicken Little now at this (laughs) point because it's infantilizing. Yep. Which which is exactly what all the undersiders do to him, Uh, perhaps correctly. That's an interesting question. Are they overly infantilizing Aiden or is Breakthrough putting too much responsibility on Kinsey or both?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know, but it is very clear to me now that the story is trying to highlight these things, right? Yeah. Um, because the first time we had these two groups come together, one of the things they talked about was the youngest members of the group and what is the proper way um, to, to kind of not, not raise them, but what is the proper limits to, to put on them? Um, now we have the two groups meeting again and we're doing the same thing again. If we go back to the thing we put a pin in earlier um, with Tattletale being shocked that Kenzie would would think about sex things and say you're still 4 year 3 to 4 years off of that. Um yeah. These two groups have very different approaches to the youngest members of their team and, and the the text has consistently highlighted those differences every time they've been put into contact with each other.
0: Yeah, right. And and thanks for reminding me about that pin. I always hate it when people put, put pins in things and then never remove them. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, am going to remove that pen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, absolutely Tattletail specifically is continually kind of like uh, amazed and scandalized at at the way Kinsey is treated by her team. Right. And has an interesting kind of protective streak that isn't entirely new because she was like, you know, she, she did have all the kids that she was taking care of as, as part of like the greater undersiders Brockton Bay you know organization yeah um, but um, it's I, I do wonder where, where this is going you know sp- specifically with Tattletail as as what what is what is her I mean we know that she's protective of people we know that she kind of attaches to people and decides they're she, she's gonna she's gonna keep them safe and maybe that's maybe there's an aspect of that here
1: yeah well I, I think there is and I, I, I don't think the book has like I don't think we can conclude on it because I don't think the story has like 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 you said at the beginning. We don't know if if the way the undersiders are raising Chicken Little versus the way the undersider or the way the breakthrough is, quote unquote, raising Kenzie. Um, We don't we don't have a clear indication on what it's saying about those, but but they are different. Like I, I love the detail of Aunt Rachel because, I mean, it just reinforces that. The older members of this group are parental figures to the younger members of this group. They are they are figures of authority. They are the parents. Breakthrough is not that way. Would Kenzie ever call anyone on her team aunt whatever? No, she wouldn't. Because they're they're peers. They they treat right. her as a peer. They like they suggest things for her to do they they say maybe you should do this and they'll sometimes remind her of of her own rules and obligations but they are not parental figures for Kenzie that's just not what they are and and that is a difference and and I know Chicken Little and Kenzie are different ages I think he's like nine and she's 11 right so it, we can't like they're 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 different ages so it's not like they have to be treated exactly the same or anything but but we are drawing this distinction and how that's gonna play out in both these characters later is is something I think we're we're should be thinking about,
0: yeah, I'm not actually sure what their what their ages are um i I thought they were similar uh, more similar than that, but I can't cite a source at the moment, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really interested to see where this this goes you know we've we've threaded this chicken little element um in the story for for a while now, so yeah all right, so uh, before everyone leaves, Swansong extends a compliment to the lace-covered k sixty-three, who takes the compliment uh, happily and says her name is uh, Chantilly, I think. Or maybe Chantilly. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how to pronounce that. Um, before they leave, Swansong gets Aiden's email address for Kinsey uh, so they can keep in touch because Kinsey's not allowed to ask for that.
1: Yeah, so, Matt. <laughs> uh-huh. I get the rule. Uh, she... she tends to go after contact and become obsessed. So she wants to limit her ability to ask for that kind of information. But like, is the, the, the intent of the rule to avoid excessive communication, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing is, I, I, I almost don't know if like, I'm, I'm beginning to side with some of the people in the, in the answers who were like, you can't, you can't put limits on Kinsey. <laughs> Because, like, you don't want her to have no friends, right? Like, it's right, good for her right. to have a friend. Sure. But, but on the flip side, how do you keep her from making that friendship into a weird, creepy, pathological yeah. thing? And it's like, well, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to yeah. that. You, you kind of you kinda have to give her the chance to do it correctly. And maybe she'll screw it up and maybe she won't. But it's better for her to have the chance. Yeah,
1: that's fair. Um, I, I think, you know, I think... This is we we're talking about, you know, family and and parents and authority figures, and and I think this to me feels like a, a very sisterly move for Ashley, not a mm-hmm. not a motherly move to like say, I know you have this rule um, that says you can't do this, I understand it, I respect it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out, um, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna do it for you, um, yeah
0: yeah, I like that, and and of course the moment where she compliments Chantilly. And and Sveta is like, I don't know if you want to do that. And then then it works perfectly for her. Yeah, probably endears her to Chantilly is is as we're going to see in a moment, huge slap in the face to Sveta and like a demonstration of swan song being just like on her on her negotiation. A game. um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is, you know, which is interesting, interesting that that she's she's putting a lot more energy into um, reaching out to people, I think. Uh, yeah,
1: uh, Ashley is. Well, and it's paying off. The thing that I love about this is Sveta is says, um, you know, we case 53 don't like to be reminded of our disfigurements of of um, that. That's a, that's a hot button issue for us. But that's speaking with a, a broadness that is probably not accurate. I mean, there's pro- like she is very insecure in in the way she looks. Um, for a lot of reasons, but I don't think every single case 53 is like universally like I am a disgusting monster and I, I hate the way I look. So she's putting a lot of assumptiveness on um uh, on Ashley there. Like, like, no, you don't. And and, and it's because she's an annoyed with Ashley and it only escalates uh-huh. from there. But I, I just really like that.
0: Yeah yeah i mean and plus sveta's issues are, are like among the worst of any case of two, three that we know of right which right is something we've remarked on before but like sveta may not even realize what it's like to be a, a like a less extreme case of two, three yeah uh so as the team discusses whether to attack love lost tonight <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna
1: do <laughs> this is good. full steam ahead
0: okay yeah uh, Victoria notices how distracted Sveta is and goes off with her to talk under a pretense. And Sveta goes off with her uh, and and kind of uncorks, talks very sadly about how much it hurts that she's been rejected by her k sixty three family. Uh, and then it kind of gradually turns into her being angry at how unfair it is that Ashley gets new hands that work great and that even the K-53s accept her and basically her sadness has sort of been transmogrified into anger at ashley yeah
1: absolutely misplaced anger like she even goes back to how smug she was like like her her, how well her hands work and but they're better that like they they look exactly like normal hands but they're better and she's so smug about it and it's like your anger is totally misplaced there girl and and I mean, this we end this like this is this is tragic, like and, and you feel so bad for her. Like she want like I said at, at last chapter, she wants to be part of this group. There's this is this minority group of case 53s. Um, it's a group that she belongs to because of the, the monster that she was turned into and 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 these people are rejecting her. And and so she's she's almost putting more value into being a member of that group than she is. The group that she's a member of, like that breakthrough, like she has all these people in this group that genuinely care about her, um, but she's getting mad at one of them instead of getting mad at the people that are rejecting her, the the people that are are mad at her because she didn't want to kill more people. And yeah. it's just it's just tragic. And it's it's so worrying, like uh, like th- this anger could build. And, and like whenever you start having a character who's displaying like misplaced anger, like that's a recipe for badness. That's a recipe for her going yeah. too far. Um, Like, again, we the first line of the chapter is I don't know where the line is. Right. Like that's, that's our establishing line of the arc is Sveta talking about where the line is. And now we have her with misplaced anger. And it's just like, oh, oh, no. Oh no! Yeah,
0: and not and and it's it's dramatized by showing like inside her suit she's just like raging. Oh yeah, like, that she's, was so she, good. Yeah, like just like a, a I don't remember the exact wording, like a blur of of um of sound as as like a a thousand a thousand times more like activity in her in her suit than uh, than Victoria's ever heard. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: and you know it it makes you remember like uh, Sveta and and. Uh, and Ashley don't get along. Like they, there, there have been a lot of interactions with them that were just uh, rude, right? You know, um, usually, usually, actually, Ashley making some statement that was kind of callous because that's how she is, and Sveta kind of saying like, "I'm offended by that," mm-hmm. and then Ashley being like, "Anyway, moving on." Yeah, like that's that's kind of the 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 default form of their interactions um so yeah i don't think they like each other and i think that maybe no one has appreciated the fact that this resentment has been building up
1: yeah i mean it, it, it definitely when you look back you at those moments you do see that and you see that 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 base level of jealousy that ashley is this this person who was this kind of disfigured person with these monstrous hands that got that gets to be this beautiful woman now that like gets to have she has everything that sveta wants right e- even the parts of her that aren't real are almost indistinguishable from real parts. Like no one notices Um, she gets to be this person and, and she she's getting everything that I want.
0: It's it's, it's interesting because she highlights the smugness and I, I I feel a bit like if Victoria were like super smug and, and satisfied about the fact that she has her old body back. I don't think that would play well with Sveta. I I think it actually, I think it actually works out for the benefit of their friendship that Victoria still struggles so much because then at least Sveta can be like, well, we actually have a lot in common because she's still having a hard time with things. Um, yeah, she's yeah.
1: But I think that's a path to more conflict too, right? Because like as Sveta spirals, if, if this is the direction we're going, I could see her anger and resentment turn towards Victoria who was given this the thing that that Sveta wants as well, and, and that would be yeah. totally unfair because Victoria is far from just being back to her old self, right? I mean, she's got so much stuff going on. But I could see a path where that where that happens, and if that starts happening, oh no!
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I think we we remarked before like it's really impressive how Sveta, how Sveta is able to just be okay with the fact that her friend who shared all the same problems as her is now completely fixed and she's still in the same position. Yep. It's like, yep, maybe it, uh, maybe Seta is not actually handling that quite as well as we were giving her credit. Nope. for. Nope. All right. Well, that's those two chapters, super, <laughs> super excited to see what's in store, uh, excited. And, uh, what's, what's a word that means both excited and full of dread. Um, there's
1: probably, there's, as I said before, there's probably a German one. I don't know if there's one in yeah, English. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're right. A uh, little, little tiny bit of name game. We can talk about Snap.
1: Yeah, I just I I mean, there's not a lot here, but it's just whippersnapper is a term for a a, a young dude, kind of. Yeah. A young kind of overconfident kid. Um, and Snap yeah. is young, right? Like that's one thing they yeah. say about him. He's a young kid. And also it's just like whip and snap are, are perfect, like adjectives to describe, you know, what he does as he's moving yeah. around. So
0: perfect. Yeah. I got nothing to add there. All right. Discussion questions. Here we go. Scott's question this week. Cluster triggers have been a part, a pretty key part of Ward's storyline so far. What do you think the book is saying through these groups of capes? How does it tie into the themes of Ward as we understand them to be so far?
1: All right. That's great. I hope that's a good one. You never know.
0: Yeah, I, I, I am... As always, uh, curious to see what people think of that I haven't thought of because as because like, I don't know, I have my own thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. But people always manage to take it in like five different di- directions I never would have thought of. So, yeah, yeah, let's focus our brain power. <laughs> and that's all we got for you this week on We've Got Ward. You guys are all part of this show. So feel free to provide us with advice, questions or thoughts on this week's reading.
1: You can reach out to us via email at gotwormpod at com or on Twitter at at Worm Pod, My personal Twitter is at ScottDaily85 and Matt's is Mordena... Both. It's both. <laughs> uh,
0: if you're not already subscribed to We've Got Ward, we strongly recommend you do so and never miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else in the world that you can listen to podcasts. And
1: as always, you can find this and all the other podcasts we create over at DoofMedia.com. This week, we're on the Doofcast, we're doing some animes someone made me watch an animes and i'm gonna talk about it it's gonna be yep. it's gonna be great yeah be so look so great looking forward to that conversation yay that'll be out on friday um there's also a new vow to view where we talk about dumb movies that we like and i talked about land of the lost which is a dumb movie that i like
0: i love that movie uh, and if you like any of our other shows and want to support them, consider donating to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash doofmedia. You can donate a dollar a month or whatever else you can afford. Supporting us on Patreon gives you tons of great bonuses like uh, being able to vote in our quarterly fan art contest and the apparently now yearly <laughs> costume contest, <laughs> uh, Q&A sessions, access to live streams of our recording sessions like this very one, and of course our excellent lively Discord chat. Of course, also special thanks to new uh, Bidoof Desmond R. Thanks, Desmond. Um, Appreciate that. Yeah, thank course. you very much. And as always, make sure you go over to Wildbo's Patreon, patreon.com slash Wildbo, and donate to him as well because this is his world. We are just spying on it.
1: <laughs> and if you can't afford to donate right now, that's absolutely okay. You can instead help us out by heading on over to Apple podcasts and leaving us a rating and a review. There are no new reviews to read this week. So you guys know what to do. Also, Hey, um, if you've submitted a review and, and for some reason we haven't read it on the show, please email me and, and let me know. Apple's review system. Like it, it sucks, frankly. And sometimes it's really hard to find the new ones. Like, like, Right now, ours is doing this thing where, like, the top review is from a year ago, and then it shows a collection of, like, five from 2018 and then goes back to 2017, and, and it just doesn't make any sense. It's awful, and, and sometimes we miss them. So um, if you've sent one and we haven't acknowledged you, let me know, and we'll fix that. Yeah.
0: All right. That's all for this week. Next week, Polarize continues.
1: Sveta, no! No! Matt, did you watch the Detective Pikachu trailer? Why aren't there any bidoofs in that? Where are the bidoofs?